Hi, you're listening to the House Call Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips for Taking Charge of Your Health, and I'm your host, Dr. Madged. If you've had your own bedroom your entire life, suddenly having to share one may come as a little bit of a shock. Although, if you are lucky to score a good roommate, it can truly make your freshman year a more positive experience. No doubt, it still can take some getting used to. You are now forced to share a small living space, and like a new husband and wife, you will be learning to compromise, an imperative life skill. Learning to share a physical living space is one thing, but sharing each other's germs is another. Germs tend to disseminate much more rapidly between close contacts, and it really doesn't get much closer than sharing a 200-square-foot room. So how can you protect yourself when your roommate is sick? And just as vital, how can you protect your roommate when you are sick? I'll tackle these questions in today's podcast. But before I go on, just a short word from our sponsor that truly makes this podcast possible. Do you love books? but you find that you never have time to read them. Well, audible.com has the perfect solution. You can get audiobooks and listen to those titles you've been meaning to read while on the go. At the gym, during your commute, while waiting in line at Costco, audible.com has audiobooks from the leading publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, and more. Their app is free, and it works on the iPhone, iPad, Android, Windows Phone, Kindle, Fire, and over 500 MP3 players. And unlike streaming or rental service with Audible, you own your books so you can access them right from your own smartphone. Plus, audible.com also has a great listen guarantee. So if you decide that you don't like the book that you chose, no worries. You can exchange any book you aren't happy with for another title anytime, no questions asked. That's amazing. Here's one of my favorite ways to use Audible. When handing over the smartphone or iPad to the kids when you need to keep them busy, like at the doctor's office, which I very commonly see, how about launching the Audible app and having them listen to a read-out-loud version of, let's say, The Cat in the Hat, which is narrated by Kelsey Grammer, Billy Crystal, and other celebrities, or even a narrated favorite Disney movie like Zootopia or Finding Dory. And just for my listeners, audible.com is offering a free 30-day trial membership. Go to audible.com slash housecall today to start your free trial. Show your support for a housecall doctor and get a free 30-day trial at audible.com slash housecall. So there are many types of bugs that can infest a dorm room. I discussed a few that are surprisingly contracted via your feet. Yes. But What about everywhere else? Spreading germs through your hands and the air are even more common. By far the most common two categories of bugs that tend to disseminate like wildfire in college dormitories are the cold and flu viruses and those dreadful stomach illnesses. So let's delve into the two in detail and learn how you can protect yourself from getting sick while you're in college. So first, let's tackle the cold and flu viruses. The cold and flu viruses can induce very similar symptoms like sore throat, fever, malaise, runny and stuffy nose, post-nasal drip as a result of the runny and stuffy nose, and a cough with or without a phlegm. In fact, the typical course often begins with the first three, meaning sore throat, fever, and malaise, Initially, 
and continues to worsen in severity as each day passes. The severity often peaks somewhere on day three to five, and then as those symptoms dissipate, the next three set in. By day seven to 10, most patients have good improvement. They will unlikely be back to their normal selves, but they feel like they can finally get on with their lives. However, that nasal discharge and postnasal drip that causes that annoying cough can be persistent even beyond day 14, but it should continue to improve with time. And this is the very typical viral course that you should all keep in mind. The cold and flu viruses do have some key differences, however. Number one, the runny and stuffy nose. This is by far one of the most common features of the common cold virus. In the typical cold virus, there tends to be an overwhelming amount of snot drainage. With the flu virus, not so much. Nasal symptoms may be present, but they are not overwhelming like they are in the cold. Number two, body aches. Generalized aches and pains all over are usually caused by the flu virus and not the common cold. Number three, fever. Although variable, the flu virus tends to cause a more pronounced spike in temps when compared to the common cold, although there are some patients with the flu who may never display fever too. Number four, fatigue. If it's one thing I tend to hear as the most bothersome symptom with the flu virus, it's fatigue. Patients describe it similar to being hit by a truck. Number five, risk level. Each year, up to 50,000 people die from the flu virus each year, and some are very healthy and are young. It is a shock to see, truly, as a physician, but it happens, and a little too much. So the common cold and flu are viruses. They're not bacteria. Therefore, there is no cure. Antibiotics are ineffective for viruses, and they are designed to destroy bacteria only. So what can you do? Well, once contracted, the viral course needs to simply play out. Now that you're aware of the typical viral course, you will know where you are on its trajectory depending on the day number, so you will know what to expect. However, it doesn't mean that you should completely suffer either. Most viruses are treated using the -the over-the-counter medications. But note that these are all symptomatic treatment only, not a cure. But they can help you tolerate the symptoms until you get over the illness. For more specific suggestions on what to take for which symptom, please refer to my previous podcast on this very topic. So, both of these viruses are transmitted in two ways. Number one, via touch. This occurs after the infected person has touched their own face, meaning eyes, mouth, or nose that contains the viral particles and then touches you or another object also handled by you. And number two, via air droplets. This is by far the most common route of spread. This happens when an infected person coughs or sneezes in the air. The viral particles enter the air and then they enter your mouth or nostrils and they invade your body through these entryways. This is why wearing a mask can be very useful, especially in public spaces like airplanes and classrooms. Here's what everyone can do to stop these bugs in their tracks and to help protect your roommate from getting sick. So number one, get a flu shot. Getting a flu shot doesn't only protect you, it helps to protect others that live with or come into contact with you. It protects you and those surrounding you who might even be more susceptible. Babies, parents, grandparents, siblings, spouse, 
co-workers, supermarket shoppers, etc. And, of course, your college roommates. Number two, if you are sick, please do not cough or sneeze in the air. Do so in a tissue instead. Discard the tissue right away and then wash your hands immediately. If a tissue is not readily available, please cough or sneeze in your elbow sleeve. Doing this one thing alone can really help greatly. Because like I said before, the greatest way that these viruses are transmitted is via air droplets. Number three, wear a mask. If you wear a mask, you cannot as easily transmit the virus to your classmates or roommates. You should also wear one at the doctor's office where more fragile patients often share space if you are sick. Number four, don't touch your face. If you do not touch your face, then you cannot as easily transmit the virus via touch. And number five, wash your hands. If you do touch your face, wash your hands immediately. If you are unable to wash with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, then please carry and use an antibacterial hand sanitizer. So, the second most common dormitory bug are the stomach bugs. Personally, I'd rather have an upper respiratory bug any day over some of these nasty germs that wreak havoc on our digestive tract. Spending your days and nights close to a toilet can be quite debilitating. Here are some of the symptoms that are associated with infectious stomach illnesses termed gastroenteritis. Fever, malaise, diarrhea, nausea and vomiting, and a stomach ache. They are typically contracted in two ways, either via consumed contaminated food called food poisoning or via the touch of an infected person. It is not transmitted through the air. There are three main categories of stomach bugs. Number one, the viruses. By far, they are the most common cause. These include such viruses you may have heard of on the news called norovirus, rotavirus, and adenovirus. Number two is bacteria. According to a large study of over 30,000 stool cultures obtained from 10 hospitals, shows that about 5% of GI, gastrointestinal, illnesses are caused by bacteria. Viruses are much more common. These bacteria include E. coli, Salmonella, Shigella, and Campylobacter. No, you don't have to remember those names. Just remember that bloody diarrhea in particular is more concerning to be bacterial in origin. And number three, parasites. These bugs are even less commonly a cause of stomach illness than bacteria are in the United States. Their prevalence is higher in outside countries and is more of a concern in those who travel. What's important to note is that no matter which type of bug, gastroenteritis is typically self-resolving. What is most concerning is the severity of the dehydration that may ensue via loss of fluids and the diarrhea or with the vomiting. When it is more serious, patients are often hospitalized for intravenous fluid administration or IV fluids. So how do you prevent gastroenteritis? Well, whether or not your roommate is suffering from these nasty bugs, you can do the following to help prevent their spread. First of all, wash your hands frequently. After shaking hands, taking out the trash, changing diapers, touching your face, and using the restroom. Wiping commonly shared items with an antibacterial wipe is also wise, like telephones, door handles, windows, lamps, etc. 
And practice safe food handling. Wash your fruits and veggies thoroughly. Cook your food according to recommended temperatures and avoid drinking unpasteurized milk. At restaurants, make sure your meat, seafood, and poultry are cooked well done. And the last thing I just want to mention is that it goes without saying, but for both of the above highly infectious illnesses, if you are plagued with them, please stay home. Before we continue, I just wanted to give you a short heads up as well. You may have noticed that I've been sharing some old episodes of The House Call Doctor, even ones that have been hosted by my predecessor. Over the next couple of months, I'll be occasionally sharing old episodes with you that I think are relevant. I hope that you don't mind and that you find this content helpful and valuable. To share your ideas and learn more quick and dirty tips with us on the House Call Doctors Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest pages. If you learned anything here today or you simply enjoy all things medical, you can also listen and subscribe to the House Call Doctors podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Please note that all content here is strictly for informational purposes only. This content does not substitute any medical advice and it doesn't replace any medical judgment or reasoning by your own personal health provider. Please always seek a licensed physician in your area regarding all health-related questions and issues. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of The House Call Doctor. Catch you next time.